Joshua 13. I am uh, very happy and excited about tonight. I absolutely love um, these next few chapters here, and I'm really happy and excited because there's a certain person here that I was really hoping they would be here tonight, and I will embarrass them in one second. Because when we got up to this part here in Joshua, if you look here in Joshua 13, from Joshua 13 all the way through Joshua 21, it's just a listing of names and uh, land allotments, etc. Because we're finally to the point where they're dividing up the promised land. And many, many lessons ago, there was a certain individual that was here, and they were flipping through Joshua, and they saw this upcoming stuff of all the land allotments and all the names, etc., and they were groaning about when we got here. And that person was Amber, who's sitting right over there. That was her. So we're going to take our sweet time. We're going to go over every name, every land allotment, every single thing. Actually, the way we're going to do this is Joshua 13 through Joshua 21. We're going to spend a few weeks on it, but we're not going to do what we normally do. We're not going to do the verse-by-verse stuff. You may look at these chapters, you may say, okay, this is really boring stuff. It's just a listing of names. It's just a listing of land. What's the point of all this? You have to remember, from a Jewish perspective, when this was written, they finally got the promised land. They finally got it. And so therefore, they've been waiting for this thing for hundreds of years, and so they finally got it. So they are going to go into detail about every tribe that got what, every group that got everything, and they're going to talk about it. It's finally their inheritance. Now put it in a perspective like this. If I said to you guys, hey, everybody tonight is going to get something absolutely amazing, something you have wanted and waited for for a very long time, and you, you just can't absolutely wait for it, but I promise you it's going to be great. And if I went one by one through all of you, you'd be okay with that. Because you know something good is coming. See, from a Jewish perspective, they were waiting for this. So when they look at all the land being allotted to the 12 tribes, it's not tedious to them. It's exciting. I don't know about you guys. Christmas is coming up here in a couple weeks. Now, the Christmas that I grew up in, the Christmas, the family stuff that I came from on the Irvin side, is you had all the presents, everybody circled up, and everybody opened gifts one by one. Now, who does that? Anybody got families that do that? The classic one by one. Okay, isn't that horrible? Because you're just sitting there. Now, when I married Dawn, and we go over to Tam's side, it is just a free-for-all. I mean, there's bodies growing left and right, and everybody opens at the same time. But part of the beauty of going one by one is you get to see things, you get to supposedly share in people's joy, even though you really don't care what they open, and you have this fake idea of it's a big deal. Well, imagine this tonight from Joshua 13 through 21. Each tribe is opening their gift of the land that they got. It's an exciting time for the nation of Israel. Now us, thousands of years later, we don't really see the excitement of it. But we're going to talk about how it pertains to us. So we're going to go through Joshua 13 and Joshua 21, and we're going to spend a few weeks on this, and we're not going to do the classic verse by verse. We're going to kind of hit the high points of this. With that being said, um, Miles, if you want to go ahead and put that up there, I've got a couple slides here that I was going to use just tonight to kind of show this a little bit. First one right here, and some of you may be able to see this real well. This is important. This is Joshua 13 through 21 here. The 12 tribes of Israel are going to be divided up. Here's the land that they get. You can see the different ones there of who got a little bit more, who got a little bit less, etc. And through these chapters, it goes into a little bit of detail. You can see how some of them right here are uh, divided up. Right there. Divided up on this side of the Jordan River, the other ones on the other side. You can see how Simeon here gets to be overtaken by Judah. Just things like that. And as you go through Joshua 13 through 21, just a little bit of a background of what's going on here. This is the land being divided as they go through it. Now, there's some interesting tidbits here. You can see most of the 12 tribes. 
You don't see a tribe of Joseph. You don't see a tribe of Joseph because his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, got a double blessing. If you remember that back from your early Genesis, God blessed Joseph with a double blessing, so his son gets two. Well, if there's 12 and somebody got two, that means somebody gets left out. Well, Simeon eventually gets overtaken by Judah, but the tribe that's missing is the tribe of Levi. They're not there. So Joseph, you have Manasseh, and you have Ephraim, and instead of having Levi get something, they don't get anything. They get stuck. They get nothing. Let's talk about that for a second. Chapter 13, let's go ahead and look at verse 14. Only to the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he has said to them. Let's build on this, verse 33 of chapter 13. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he has said to them. And just one more for fun, Joshua 18, verse 7. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Now, you could stop and look at that a couple different ways. Now, if you're really spiritual and mature, you say, wow, they got the greatest inheritance of everything. Or if you're very worldly, you say, they got gypped. They got nothing. No land, no kingdom, they got nothing. What they get to do is just serve God. That is their inheritance. Now, why did they get gypped? Well, a little bit of background here, and you can write these references down if you want and look at them later. But back in Genesis 34, there's a little story. Remember the 12 boys, and there was one girl. Any remember, remember the girl's name? Dinah. Okay. Dinah was assaulted by another man and was sexually assaulted. Well, her brothers were pretty sick about that. So two brothers, Simeon and Levi, were so mad that they went to the family that assaulted Dinah, sexually assaulted them, and they said, you know what? Listen, we don't have a problem with you wanting our sister as, as whatever, but if you want to be part of our family, you have to be a good Jewish guy and you have to get circumcised. So Simeon and Levi said, you know what? If you want our sister to be a part of this, you have to get circumcised. So they said, sure, we'll go through this. And so they went and they circumcised all the men of that town that sexually assaulted Dinah. Well, the Bible said it took about three days for those guys to heal. Well, Simeon and Levi came back with some of their boys and while everybody was healing, they went and killed everybody. Well, that's the way they did it back then. Well, Dad wasn't too happy about that. So in Genesis 49, when he was passing out the blessings, he said to Simeon and Levi, he goes, you guys are too aggressive, you guys are too nasty, you don't get anything. And so Levi's got nothing. Simeon got something, but as you go throughout the Bible, Judah becomes such a powerful big tribe, Simeon basically just gets engulfed by Judah. And I don't want to say Simeon ceases to exist, but they really kind of fall off the map there a little bit. And so that's why Levi gets left out. And that's why Simeon basically gets nothing. But this is where the story gets interesting. Turn, if you will now, to uh, Exodus. Let's go Exodus chapter 32. Because for them being left out, how do they get such a good gig? Because they really become quite the people there. Because the Levites are vital in the Old Testament. Levites served in the temple... And if you were a direct descendant of Aaron, you got to be part of the priesthood. So if you were a direct descendant of Aaron from the tribe of Levi, you got to be part of the priesthood. But if you were just part of the tribe of Levi and you were not a direct descendant of Aaron, you just got to serve in the temple. Well, how did they get this blessing of their inheritance being God? Well, in Exodus 32, long story short, Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. 
Moses comes down with Joshua from getting the Ten Commandments. You can see here in verse 17, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it's not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but it's the sound of singing I hear. Well, as they get closer, this is where they have the big great calf. Remember, Moses went up the mountain with Joshua to get the Ten Commandments, get the law. And the people there with Aaron basically said, Moses is dead. We have nothing. Our leader's gone. So basically they just turn themselves over to partying and debauchery, and they make this gold calf. One of my favorite lines in the Bible. Remember about the gold calf? Aaron basically says, we just took the gold, threw it in the fire, and boom, out popped this calf. That's just what happened. Now, if you read through here in Exodus 32, look what it says right here. Uh, verse 25, now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to the shame among their enemies. Double failure. Aaron failed as a leader, and the people just failed. So the camp is just falling apart. There's this huge orgy of sin just going on, and the people have totally turned from God. So Moses says, in verse 26, Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me, and all the sons of Levi gather themselves together to him. Now stop there, and look, and don't read ahead, okay? Pretend you don't know what's going to happen. Don't read ahead, and I know you want to now. Don't look at me. So don't read ahead. Levi gets a chance to make up for this. Now, now think about this, and don't read ahead. Think about this. They were the tribe that was pushed off. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew the blessings of the dad, and basically Simeon and Levi, you guys are nothing now. Have you ever been in that position of you really screwed something up, and it's just over? That, that, that past mistake is over your head. Everybody you run into knows it. You're labeled that way, and just you can't move past your past. That, that's Levi. They got nothing. Here's an opportunity then for them to step up the plate. But look what they have to do. Now you can read ahead, verse 27. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man so his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. If you want a picture of what God thinks about sin, right there it is. Now God loves you. And God gives grace and God gives mercy. I mean, he loves you, but he hates sin. He hates what sin does to you and to families and to nations. He hates it. So much so that Levi gets back in God's good graces and don't think I'm preaching something about works here. That's not what this is saying. They were willing to make a stand for God to the point of killing those that were causing harm to the nation of Israel. So Levi, dare I say, gets back in good. Verse 29, then Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man opposed his son and his brother. Levi gets blessed. And the blessing that Levi gets is they get to serve the Lord. That's their blessing. Now once again, how do you look at that? Because I bet there's somebody here tonight that you're kind of bothered about the world. You either have a neighbor, a co-worker, friend, or family, and they got the land. They got the great land here. They got a Judah. They just got everything. And you got nothing. And you're like, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm loving you. I'm doing what I'm saying, but why is it it never works out for me? Why is it my car is the car that always breaks down? Why is it my house is the one that always has a problem? Why am I the one at work that always gets the short stick? Why is it me? God says, you have me. What else do you need? Yeah, but Lord, I want the land. No, you don't. You want the blessings of being close to God. Because Levi got to be close to God. 
See, before the land came, in the Old Testament, they did something they called they had the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was this big tent that every time they moved, the tent moved. And the tabernacles where all the sacrifices happened. It's where the presence of God dwelled in the ark. And so the Levites got to be near that. Miles, go ahead and go to the next slide here real quick. Because God was very particular, and this is a tough one to see, but God is very particular when it comes to things. Well, you can see all the tribes here. Benjamin, Simeon, Reuben, Gad, Ishakar, Judah, Zebulon, Asher, Dan, Naphtalia, Manasseh, Ephraim. But look who got to go right around the tabernacle. Levi, 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 Levi. See, their inheritance responsibility was to serve God. So therefore, they're the ones that got to hang out right by the tabernacle. Isn't that the beauty of it? And the neat thing about this is I was reading through, um, I got a daily devotional I like to read by John Corson. And it mentioned this today. It says in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Numbers, God declares that his people were to camp in a certain order as they traveled through the wilderness. And this is right here, right here. God says this is the way I want you to go. He goes, he told the Levites to surround the tabernacle on the north, south, east, and west sides. Why? Because those serving the Lord, whether in their neighborhood, on their campus, or in their church, always end up camping closest to where God's glory is. That's the beauty of serving the Lord. You get to camp out closest to his glory because when you're serving him, sharing your faith, praying for others, or teaching Sunday school, you experience most fully the glory of God. That's why God lets us serve him. He doesn't need us. Rather, he allows us the privilege to serve because in doing so, we find true fulfillment. And I love that because the Levites, they get to be the ones closest to God. Now, do you ever get frustrated because you're the only one doing something in the church? You're the only one that sees the vision of it. You're the only one that's working at it. You're the only one that constantly keeps signing up for this. Or maybe it's not even church. You're the one in your family that always has to take care of stuff. You're the one always serving, giving, etc., well, you know what? You're showing the heart of Jesus. And as showing the heart of Jesus, you're camping right next to the tabernacle because you're being more Christ-like than anybody else. God says, you're going to get blessed by that. See, when you're in the thick of ministry, when you're in the thick of serving, be it at church or at home, it is more work. But it's more of a blessing than you can ever imagine. And sometimes we sit up here and we say, why can't I be gad? Just get away from everything for a little bit. I'm tired of serving. Well, I tell you, a prayer request that I've been praying for myself and everybody that serves out here lately, and I don't even know where I first read it, is anybody that serves, you've got to have thick skin and you've got to have a soft heart. If you serve in anything out here, if you're involved with anything in church, you've got to have thick skin. It gets tough. It gets difficult. But you've got to have a heart that's soft in the Lord. And maybe it's not even ministry at church. Maybe it's people you work with. Maybe people with you at home. You've got to have thick skin. You know how easy it is to get bothered and offended about stuff? How easy it is to let little things become big things? God says, don't worry about that stuff. He goes, camp right next to the tabernacle. Stay near God, and you will see the big picture of everything. Because the Levites had the opportunity and the blessing of serving God by being right next to the tabernacle. So they don't get any inheritance in Joshua 13 through 21, but they get the best inheritance because their inheritance is serving the Lord. And it's an amazing picture. Now, we're going to go take this one step further. If you will, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And as we're going to 1 Peter chapter 2, does anybody have any quick questions, comments about anything that we've covered thus far? 1 Peter chapter 2 is your turn. John. Yeah. And that's a good example there because so often we judge everything on what is like in this world. 
You know, I have the low-paying job. I have the junky house. I have the junky car. The focus is heaven. The focus is eternity. That's what is the focus is. And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. Anybody else? Yeah, Mom. If I remember correctly, yes. Yeah, had to be a direct descendant of Aaron to be part of the priesthood. But anybody else then could have been a Levite. Of the Levites, they just served at the temple then. Right, direct descendant mean literally Moses' kids. His direct genealogy had to be through, excuse me, had to be through Aaron. Aaron's direct kids could be the priests. So Moses' kids would have been servers at the temple. Um, Miriam's descendants, anybody along that type of line, then would just served at the temple as part of the tribe of Levi. No, Moses' wife was, what was she? I can't remember where she was, but she was a, uh, she was a foreigner, yeah. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2, this is where it ties into us now. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, this is the neat thing. Just as the Levites were the priests, they got to serve God, stay close to the temple, and do that. He goes, God says you're the same way. He goes, you're a royal priesthood. See, now the thing is, we never think about that, do we? You, did you know, and maybe some of you didn't know, that coming in tonight, that God looks at you as a priest. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. God says, you are chosen specifically to serve me for the glory of God, and your job is to do that. So with that mindset... Don't worry about your inheritance here on earth. Don't worry about your land allotment. Don't worry about what goes on here because your whole focus is just to serve God. Taking this one step further, if you're taking notes, Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. See, if your citizenship is in heaven, does it matter about what happens down here on earth? Because you have all of eternity to be blessed. How often do we get worked up about something down here on earth that has nothing to do with our citizenship? I like to follow the news. And I see things that are happening over in Europe and Africa and Russia. And I'm not talking tragic things. I mean, obviously that affects us as a Christian. But just the politics of some of the stuff going on over there. I'm not a citizen of that nation. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I hear it. But it affects me more when it's happening going on here in America. Well, see, as a citizen of heaven, when the world starts going downhill, I'm a citizen of heaven. I can let a lot of this world stuff go. And when you keep that mindset of, Lord, it's eternity that matters, not the world, Boy, that's what gets you through. And when you start looking at this mindset of verse 9, I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. My goodness, Lord, what a blessing I have in serving you, a privilege to serve you, an honor to serve you. I want my life now to back that up in everything I do and say. Because you know what? As a priest, as a chosen holy nation, etc., I don't want to give a half-hearted effort. I want to give God everything. And as I give God everything, to him be the glory. And by giving God everything, I get the blessing of hanging out near the tabernacle because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. One step further here, 1 Peter uh, 2, excuse me, 1 Peter uh, 1 1. If you're right over there, you can look at it real quick. It uses the word in the New King James, pilgrims. See, we're a pilgrim. Some people have it translated sojourners. I'm just passing through this earth for maybe 70, 80, 90 years. Boy, I tell you, if you brought something in tonight from the world and you were just brought down by something in the world, I just want to encourage you. Your citizenship is in heaven. 
you are just a pilgrim passing through this world for a brief time. Your sole whole purpose in this world is just to serve God with everything you have and realize that there's an eternity waiting for you. And just as the Levites, their inheritance was to serve the Lord, we have an inheritance coming too. Colossians 3.24, and you don't need to turn there, but Colossians 3.24 speaks of our inheritance and the blessing that it is and, and what... Let's just be selfish here for a little bit. What we get out of it. Colossians 3.24 says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I have an inheritance coming from God, so therefore this world means nothing to me. My citizenship is not here. I serve God. That's the reward. And when we finally get up to heaven and see the reward of serving God, oh, it's going to be so worth it. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Christ and realize that's where the blessing is going to come from. So, have you got any quick questions, comments about that before we move on to the next point here with this? Now, one step further with this. Now, look here in Joshua. Jump ahead, if you will, to Joshua chapter uh, 21. Joshua 21. <clears throat> Children of Levi did not get an actual land inheritance. Their inheritance is serving the Lord. So what they did is, the whole goal was eventually in a few hundred years, they're going to be building a temple in um, Jerusalem. Well, the Levites are going to serve there as the priests and the temple helpers. But what they do here, if you look in Joshua 21, is throughout all the land now, throughout all the land, if you want to, Miles, can you actually go back one slide? Throughout all the land, what they did is, because... Jerusalem should be about right here. I think Jerusalem was with the tribe of Benjamin. But throughout the whole land, they have these cities of the Levites that are scattered through every tribe. Every tribe then would have one or two towns that the Levites would stay in. And the reason being is this. Well, back then, if you were all the way down at Simeon or Judah, and you had a question about God or something about that, to travel all the way to Jerusalem, that's quite a trek. The purpose of these cities of the Levites where they were scattered throughout the whole area for the sole purpose of what? Being able to serve the nation of Israel. See, God says, you're a royal priesthood. That's your same job too. Is your whole scattered out through all the whole world to serve me and to be a light and a witness when people need you. See, the problem is I look at my life as my life. And so therefore I feel like I want to choose where I serve, where I live, what I do, etc. And God says, no, you're, you're a priest. I've called you. Your inheritance is serving me. I'm placing you in this area for a reason and a purpose. I was just talking to someone today, and uh, they got a tough situation going on at work. And I said, you know what? I, I don't blame you for wanting to jump ship. But at the same time, I said, do you ever think that maybe God put you there because you're the only light that those people are ever going to see? And some of you, I bet right now, work in a place that's awfully, awfully spiritually dark. And you would love to be out of there. Well, God may say, you know what? You're a city of a Levite that I put there for a reason and a purpose to shine in that very dark area. So often we want to quit when God says stay. And God says, I'm putting you here for a purpose. So in Joshua 21, when you sit here and say, what is the point of this absolutely boring chapter? The purpose of this chapter is to show you how much God cared about the nation of Israel, that he took these Levites and put them all over the place in the nation of Israel to say, you're there to serve me in whatever area you're around, I want you to serve. Be a light, be a witness for me, and God has asked us to do the same thing. You may not like your lot in life, you may not like your inheritance that you feel like you're getting on this earth. God says your citizenship is in heaven, God says there's spiritual reward coming, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, he says keep 
that perspective, and that will get you through the doldrums of this world. Because this world will bring you down. He says, keep that perspective, and it's going to be worth it. Does anybody have any final questions, comments here, before we do our final verses? Yeah, Marcus. Modern-day Gaza Strip should be about right here, I believe. Well, I mean, everything is hotly can. Well, no, Jerusalem, like I said, is over here. Gaza Strip is over here. What you you got? You got Jerusalem here. Um, Golden Heights are what up here? That's a contested one. You know, basically, what it just comes down to is, a, I, my personal opinion is, it's just a, a satanic thing that's going on. This is Israel's land. This is what God has given them. And so you have these pockets, and we're going to get to that in the upcoming weeks. Because what happens is, when God gave this land allotted to the nation of Israel, they didn't take out all the bad guys. And so these pockets stayed, and these pockets stayed, they caused problems. Well, I think the same thing has happened today too, Marcus. There's these pockets of people that are causing problems for the nation of Israel. And as these pockets are there, it's just it's an ongoing battle between the Jews. But to answer your question, there is nothing strategic, uh, resourceful, etc. in the Gaza Strip, in the Golden Heights. It's just an ongoing battle, I think, between good and evil. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but that's what it is. I mean, I've never been over to Israel, but if you look at it from a purely perspective, it's really quite a strip of land that why are people fighting over? But it's God's land. He gave it to Israel, and that's where the blessing comes from it. Maybe I'll have any final things I want to say before we close up. Okay, last verses. Joshua 21, 43. Just to encourage you with this, great verses here. These are ones you mark and you underline, you stick them on your fridge. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. We'll get into that in a couple weeks. But verse 45, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Isn't that a neat verse? Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. Don't you feel sometimes that the Lord has failed you? Aren't you sick and tired of hearing the verse of God works for the good in all things? Yeah, God works for the good in you, but not in me. No, God's word hasn't failed. Yeah, well, I'm so tired of praying, and the Lord says, you pray, you seek me, and I will answer. Yeah, I'm praying, and I'm not getting any answer. No, God's word hasn't failed. See, from our earthly perspective, we see failure. From a heavenly perspective, God says it's not a failure. Keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your citizenship in heaven. Keep your focus on the big picture and the rewards that come in the end. That's where the blessings really come. This world is a failure. This world is painful. This world is discouraging. This world is depressing. If you keep your eyes on this world, you will be discouraged and depressed and let down. When you keep your eyes on heaven, you realize, I'm just a pilgrim passing through this. Thank you, Lord, for taking me home. It's all worth it at the end. Levites are a picture of us. We serve the Lord. We serve the Lord where he's called us. We have screwed up, but God's given us another chance. And we don't sit here and complain about this or that or circumstances or how people do it or whatever. We just serve. Sometimes we get the short end of the stick, but we still just serve because we realize it's heaven that matters. That's the eternal thing. So, anybody else got any final things I'm going to say before we close up? All right. What we're going to do here for the next couple of weeks is do the same thing, spend some time in Joshua 13 through 21. we got some other uh, topics, if you will, that are going to pop up with this, and I hope it definitely blesses you. So let's close with a word of prayer and we'll let you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to be here tonight. We ask for your blessing upon this. 
And Lord, just uh, go before it in all ways. Keep everybody safe as they travel home and help us to keep our mind on you. And Lord, if we've just brought anything in tonight that's just bringing us down, help us to let go of it and just give it to you in the name of Jesus, in your name. Amen. You guys have a good week and God bless.